Chapter Eleven of Mount Royal, Volume Two by Mary Elizabeth Braden. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eleven, Who Knows Not Circe? The autumn days crept by, sometimes grey and sad of aspect, sometimes radiant and sunny, as if summer had risen from her grave amidst fallen leaves and faded heather. It was altogether a lovely autumn, like that beauteous season of five years ago and christabel and angus wandered about the hills and lingered by the trout stream in the warm green valley almost as freely as they had done in the past they were never alone jessie bridgman was always with them very often dopsy and mopsy and sometimes mr tregonell with captain vandeleur and half a dozen dogs one day they all went up the hill and crossed the ploughed field to the path among the gorse and heather above pentagon bay and dopsy and mopsy climbed crags and knolls and screamed affrightedly and made a large display of boots and were generally fascinating after their manner if any place could tempt me to smoke it would be this said dopsy gazing seaward all the men except angus were smoking i think it must be utterly lovely to sit dreaming over a cigarette in such a place as this what would you dream about asked angus a new bonnet don't be cynical you think i am awfully shallow because i am not a perambulating bookshelf like mrs tregonell who seems to have read all the books that ever were printed there you are wrong she has read a few non multa sed multum but they are the very best and she has read them well enough to remember them answered angus quietly and mop and i often read three volumes in a day and seldom remember a line of what we've read sighed dopsy indeed we are awfully ignorant of course we learn things at school french and german italian natural history physical geography geology and all the onomies indeed i shudder when i remember what a lot of learning was poured into our poor little heads and how soon it all ran out again dopsy gave her most fascinating giggle and sat in an aesthetic attitude idly plucking up faded heather blossoms with a tightly gloved hand and wondering whether mr hamley noticed how small the hand was she thought she was going straight to his heart with these naive confessions she had always heard that men hated learned women and no doubt mr hamley's habit of prosing about books which mrs tregonell was merely the homage he paid to his hostess you and mrs tregonell are so dreadfully grave when you get together pursued dopsy seeing that her companion held his peace she had contrived to be by mr hamley's side when he crossed the field and had in a manner got possessed of him for the rest of the afternoon barring some violent struggle for emancipation on his part i always wonder what you can find to say to each other i don't think there is much cause for wonder we have many tastes in common we are both fond of music of nature and of books there is a wide field for conversation why won't you talk with me of books there are some books i adore let us talk about dickens with all my heart i admire every line he wrote i think him the greatest genius of this age we have had great writers great thinkers great masters of style but scott and dickens were the creators they made new worlds and peopled them i am quite ready to talk about dickens i don't think i could say a single word after that outburst of yours said dopsy you go too fast for me he had talked eagerly willing to talk just now even to miss vandeleur trying not too vividly to remember that other day that unforgotten hour in which on this spot face to face with that ever-changing ever-changeless sea he had submitted his fate to christabel not daring to ask for her love warning her rather against the misery that might come to her from loving him 
and misery had come but not as he presaged it had come from his youthful sin that one fatal turn upon the road of life which he had taken so lightly tripping with joyous companions along a path strewn with roses he like so many had gathered his roses while he might and had found that he had to bear the sting of their thorns when he must leonard came up behind them as they talked mr hamley standing by miss vandeleur's side digging his stick into the heather and staring idly at the sea what are you two talking about so earnestly he asked you are always together i begin to understand why hamley is so indifferent to sport the remark struck angus as strange as well as underbred dopsy had contrived to inflict a good deal of her society upon him at odd times but he had taken particular care that nothing in his bearing or discourse should compromise either himself or the young lady dipsy giggled faintly and looked modestly at the heather it was still early in the afternoon and the western light shone full upon a face which might have been pretty if nature's bloom had not long given place to the poetic pallor of the powder-puff we were talking about dickens said dopsy with an elaborate air of struggling with the tumult of her feelings don't you adore him if you mean the man who wrote books i never read em answered leonard life isn't long enough for books that don't teach you anything i've read pretty nearly every book that was ever written upon horses and dogs and guns and a good many on mechanics that's enough for me i don't care for books that only titillate one's imagination why should one read books to make oneself cry and to make oneself laugh it's as idiotic a habit as taking snuff to make oneself sneeze that's rather a severe way of looking at the subject said angus it's a practical way that's all my wife surfeits herself with poetry she is stuffed with tennyson and browning loaded to the very muzzle with byron and shelley she reads shakespeare as devoutly as she reads her bible but i don't see that it helps to make her pleasant company for her husband or her friends she is never so happy as when she has her nose in a book give her a bundle of books and a candle and she would be happy in the little house on the top of willow park not without you and her boy said dopsy gushingly she could never exist without you two mr tregonell lit himself another cigar and strolled off without a word he has not lovable manners has he inquired dopsy with her childish air but he is so good-hearted no doubt you have known him some time haven't you inquired angus who had been struggling with an uncomfortable yearning to kick the squire into the bay the scene offered such temptations they were standing on the edge of the amphitheatre the ground shelving steeply downward in front of them rocks and water below and to think that she his dearest she all gentleness and refinement was mated to this coarse clay was king mark such an one as this he wondered and if he were who could be angry with tristan tristan who died longing to see his lost love struck to death by his wife's cruel lie tristan whose passionate soul passed by metempsychosis into briar and leaf and crept across the arid rock to meet and mingle with the beloved dead oh how sweet and sad the old legend seemed to angus to-day standing above the melancholy sea where he and she had stood folded in each other's arms in the sweet triumphant moment of love's first avowal dopsy did not allow him much leisure for mournful meditation she prattled on in that sweetly girlish manner which was meant to be all spirit and sparkle glancing from theme to theme like the butterfly among the flowers and showing a level ignorance on all mr hamley listened with christian resignation and even allowed himself to be her escort home 
and to seem especially attentive to her at afternoon tea for although it may take two to make a quarrel assuredly one if she but brazen enough may make a flirtation dopsy felt that time was short and that strong measures were necessary mr hamley had been very polite attentive even dopsy accustomed to the free and easy manners of her brother's friends mistook mr hamley's natural courtesy to the sex for particular homage to the individual but he had said nothing and she was no nearer the assurance of becoming mrs hamley than she had been on the evening of his arrival dopsy had been fain to confess this to mopsy in the confidence of sisterly discourse it seems as if i might just as well have had a try for him myself instead of standing out to give you a better chance retorted mopsy somewhat scornfully go in and win if you can said dopsy it won't be the first time you've tried to cut me out dopsy embittered by the sense of failure determined on new tactics hitherto she had been all sparkle now she melted into a touching sadness what a delicious old room this is she murmured glancing round at the bookshelves and dark panelling the high wide chimney-piece with its coat of arms in heraldic colours flashing and gleaming against a background of brown oak i cannot help feeling wretched at the idea that next week i shall be far away from this dear place in dingy dreary london oh mr hamley detaining him while she selected one particular piece of sugar from the basin he was handing her don't you detest london not absolutely i have sometimes found it endurable ah you have your clubs just the one pleasantest street in all the great overgrown city and that street lined with palaces whose doors are always standing open for you libraries smoking-rooms billiard-tables perfect dinners and all that is freshest and brightest in the way of society i don't wonder men like london but for women it has only two attractions moody and the shop-windows and the park the theatres the churches the delight of looking at other women's gowns and bonnets i thought that could never pall it does though there comes a time when one feels weary of everything said dopsy pensively stirring her tea and so fixing mr hamley with her conversation that he was obliged to linger yeah even to set down his own teacup on an adjacent table and to seat himself by the charmer's side i thought you so delighted in the theatres he said you were full of enthusiasm about the drama the night i first dined here was i demanded dopsy naively and now i feel as if i did not care a straw about all the plays that were ever acted all the actors who ever lived strange is it not that one can change so in one little fortnight the change is a hallucination you are fascinated by the charms of a rural life which you have not known long enough for satiety you will be just as fond of plays and players when you get back to london never exclaimed dopsy it is not only my taste that is changed it is myself i feel as if i were a new creature what a blessing for yourself and society if the change were radical said mr hamley within himself and then he answered lightly perhaps you have been attending the little chapel at Bocastle, secretly imbibing the doctrines of advanced methodism and this is a spiritual awakening no sighed dopsy shaking her head pensively as she gazed at her teacup it is an utter change i cannot make it out i don't think i shall ever care for gaiety parties theatres dress again oh this must be the influence of the methodists i hate methodists i never spoke to one in my life i should like to go into a convent i should like to belong to a protestant sisterhood and to nurse the poor in their own houses it would be nasty 
i should catch some dreadful complaint and die i dare say but it would be better than what i feel now and dopsy taking advantage of the twilight and the fact that she and angus were at some distance from the rest of the party burst into tears they were very real tears tears of vexation disappointment despair and they made angus very uncomfortable my dear miss vandeleur i am so sorry to see you distressed is there anything on your mind is there anything i can do shall i fetch your sister no no gasped dopsy in a choked voice please don't go away i like you to be near me she put out her hand a chilly tremulous hand with no passion in it save the passionate pain of despair and touched his timidly entreatingly as if she were calling upon him for pity and help she was indeed in her inmost heart asking him to rescue her from the great dismal swamp of poverty and disrepute to take her to himself and give her a place and status among well-bred people and make her life worth living this was dreadful angus hamleigh in all the variety of his experience of womankind had never before found himself face to face with this kind of difficulty he had not been blind to miss vandeleur's strenuous endeavours to charm him he had parried those light arrows lightly but he was painfully embarrassed by this appeal to his compassion it was a new thing for him to sit beside a weeping woman whom he could neither love nor admire but from whom he could not withhold his pity i dare say her life is dismal enough he thought with such a brother as poker vandeleur and a father to match while he sat in silent embarrassment and while dopsy slowly dried her tears with a gaudy little coloured handkerchief taken from a smart little breast-pocket in the tailor gown mr tregonell sauntered across the room to the window where they sat a tudor window with a deep embrasure what are you two talking about in the dark he asked as dopsy confusedly shuffled the handkerchief back into the breast-pocket something very sentimental i should think from the look of you poetry i suppose dopsy said not a word she believed that leonard meant well by her that if his influence could bring mr hamley's nose to the grindstone to the grindstone that nose would be brought so she looked up at her brother's friend with a watery smile and remained mute we were talking about london and the theatres answered angus not a very sentimental topic and then he got up and walked away with his teacup to the table near which christabel was sitting in the flickering firelight and seated himself by her side and began to talk to her about a box of books that had arrived from london that day books that were familiar to him and new to her leonard looked after him with a scowl safe in the shadow while dopsy feeling that she had made a fool of herself lapsed again into tears i am afraid he is behaving very badly to you said leonard oh no no but he has such strange ways he blows hot and cold in plain words he's a heartless flirt answered leonard impatiently he has been fooled by a pack of women pretends to be dying of consumption gives himself no end of airs he has flirted outrageously with you has he proposed no not exactly faltered dopsy someone ought to bring him to the scratch your brother must tackle him don't you think if if jack were to say anything were just to hint that i was being made very unhappy that such marked attentions before all the world put me in a false position don't you think it might do harm quite the contrary it would do good no man ought to trifle with a girl's feelings in that way no man shall be allowed to do it in my house if jack won't speak to him i will oh mr tregonell what a noble heart you have 
what a true friend you have always been to us you are my friend's sister my wife's guest i won't see you trifled with and you really think his attentions have been marked very much marked he shall not be permitted to amuse himself at your expense there he sits talking sentiment to my wife just as he has talked sentiment to you why doesn't he keep on the safe side and confine his attentions to married women you are not jealous of him asked dopsy with some alarm jealous i it would take a very extraordinary kind of wife and a very extraordinary kind of admirer of that wife to make me jealous dopsy felt her hopes in some wise revived by mr tregonell's manner of looking at things up to this point she had mistrusted exceedingly that the flirting was all on her side but now leonard most distinctly averred that angus hamley had flirted and in a manner obvious to every one and if mr hamley really admired her if he were really blowing hot and cold inclining one day to make her his wife and on another day disposed to let her languish and fade in south belgravia might not a word or two from a judicious friend turn the scale and make her happy for life she went up to her room to dress in a flutter of hope and fear so agitated that she could scarcely manage the more delicate details of her toilette the drapery of her skirt the adjustment of the sunflower on her shoulder how flushed and shaky you are exclaimed mopsy pausing in the pencilling of an eyebrow to look at her sister is the deed done has he popped no he has not popped but i think he will i wish i were of your opinion i should like a rich sister it would be the next best thing to being well off oneself you only think of his money said dopsy who had really fallen in love for only about the fifteenth time so there was still freshness in the feeling i should care for him just as much if he were a pauper no you would not said mopsy i dare say you think you would but you wouldn't there is a glamour about money which nobody in our circumstances can resist a man who dresses perfectly who has never been hard up who has always lived among elegant people there is a style about him that goes straight to one's heart don't you remember how in peter wilkins there are different orders of beings a superior class born so bred so always apart and above the others mr hamley belongs to that higher order if he were poor and shabby he would be a different person you wouldn't care two pence for him the rector of trevalga and his wife dined at mount royal that evening so dopsy fell to the lot of mr hamley and had plenty of opportunity of carrying on the siege during dinner while mrs tregonell and the rector who was an enthusiastic antiquarian talked of the latest discoveries in druidic remains after dinner came the usual adjournment to billiards the rector and his wife stayed in the drawing-room with christabel and jessie mr hamley would have remained with them but leonard specially invited him to the billiard-room you must have had enough mendelssohn and beethoven to last you for the next six months he said you had better come and have a smoke with us i could never have too much good music answered angus well i don't suppose you'd get much to-night the rector and my wife will talk about pots and pans all the evening now they've once started you may as well be sociable for once in a way and come with us such an invitation given in heartiest tones and with seeming frankness could hardly be refused so angus went across the hall with the rest of the billiard players to the fine old room once a chapel in which there was space enough for settees and easy-chairs tea-tables books flowers and dogs without the slightest inconvenience to the players you'll play hamley said leonard no thanks i'd rather sit and smoke and watch you really 
then monty and i will play jack and one of the girls billiards is the only game at which one can afford to play against relations they can't cheat mopsy will you play dopsy can mark what a thorough good fellow he is thought dopsy charmed with an arrangement which left her comparatively free for flirtation with mr hamley who had taken possession of christabel's favourite seat a low capacious basket-chair by the wide wood fire and had christabel's table near him loaded with her books and work-basket those books which were all his favourites as well as hers and which made an indissoluble link between them what is mere blood relationship compared with the subtler tie of mutual likings and dislikings the men all lighted their cigarettes and the game progressed with tolerably equal fortunes jack vandeleur playing well enough to make amends for any lack of skill on the part of mopsy whose want of the scientific purpose and certainty which come from long experience was as striking as her dashing and self-assured method of handling her cue and her free use of all slang terms peculiar to the game dopsy oscillated between the marking-board and the fireplace sometimes kneeling on the persian rug to play with randy and the other dogs sometimes standing in a pensive attitude by the chimney-piece talking to angus all traces of tears were gone her cheeks were flushed her eyes brightened by an artful touch of indian ink under the lashes her eyebrows accentuated by the same artistic treatment her large fan held with the true grosvenor gallery air do you believe that peacock's feathers are unlucky she asked looking pensively at the fringe of green and azure plumage on her fan i am not altogether free from superstition but my idea of the fates has never taken that particular form why should the peacock be a bird of evil omen i can believe anything bad of the screech-owl or the raven but the harmless ornamental peacock surely he is innocent of our woes i have known the most direful calamities follow the introduction of peacock's feathers into a drawing-room yet they are so tempting one can hardly live without them really do you know that i have found existence endurable without so much as a tuft of down from that unmelodious bird have you never longed for its plumage to give life and colour to your rooms such exquisite colour such delicious harmony i wonder that you who have such artistic taste can resist the fascination i hope you have not found that pretty fan the cause of many woes said mr hamley smilingly as the damsel posed herself in the early italian manner and slowly waved the bright-hued plumage i cannot say that i have been altogether happy since i possessed it answered dopsy with a shy downward glance and a smothered sigh and yet i don't know i have been only too happy sometimes perhaps and at other times deeply wretched is not that kind of variableness common to our poor human nature independent of peacock's feathers not to me i used to be the most thoughtless happy-go-lucky creature until when till i came to cornwall with a faint sigh and a sudden upward glance of a pair of blue eyes which would have been pretty had they been only innocent of all scheming then i'm afraid this mixture of sea and mountain air does not agree with you too exciting for your nerves perhaps i don't think it is that with a still fainter sigh then the peacock's feathers must be to blame why don't you throw your fan into the fire not for worlds said dopsy why not first because it cost a guinea naively and then because it is associated with quite the happiest period of my life you said just now you had been unhappy since you owned it only by fits and starts too utterly happy at other times if i say another word she will dissolve into tears again thought angus 
i shall have to leave mount royal a man in weak health is no match for a young woman of this type she will get me into a corner and declare i have proposed to her he got up and went over to the table where mr montague was just finishing the game with a break which had left dopsy free for flirtation during the last ten minutes mr hamley played in the next game but this hardly bettered his condition for dopsy now took her sister's place with the cue and required to be instructed as to every stroke and even to have her fingers placed in position now and then by angus when the ball was under the cushion and the stroke in any way difficult this lengthened the game and bored angus exceedingly besides making him ridiculous in the eyes of the other three men i hate playing with lovers muttered leonard under his breath when dopsy was especially worrying about the exact point at which she was to hit the ball for a particular cannon decidedly i must get away to-morrow reflected angus the game went on merrily enough and was only just over when the stable clock struck eleven at which hour the servants brought in a tray with a tankard of malt claret for vice and a siphon for virtue the miss vandeleurs after pretending to say good-night were persuaded to sip a little of the hot spiced wine and were half inclined to accept the cigarettes persuasively offered by mr montague till warned by a wink from jack they drew up suddenly declared they had been quite too awfully dissipated that they should be too late to wish mrs tregonell good-night and skipped away awfully jolly girls those sisters of yours said montague as he closed the door which he had opened for the damsel's exit and strolled back to the hearth where angus was sitting dreamily caressing randy her dog how many a happy dog has received caresses charged with the love of his mistress such mournful kisses as dido lavished on the young ascanius in the dead watches of the weary night jack vandeleur and his host had begun another game delighted at having the table to themselves yes they're nice girls answered mr vandeleur without looking off the table just the right kind of girls for a country house no starch no prudishness but as innocent as babies and as true-hearted well they are all heart i should be sorry to see anybody trifle with either of them it would be a very serious thing for her and it should be my business to make it serious for him great advantage for a girl to have a brother who enjoys the reputation of being a dead shot said mr montague or it would be if duelling were not an exploded institution like a trial for witchcraft and hanging for petty larceny duelling is never out of fashion among gentlemen answered jack making a cannon and going in off the red that makes seventeen monty there are injuries which nothing but the pistol can redress and i'm not sorry that my red river experience has made me a pretty good shot but i'm not half as good as leonard he could give me fifty in a hundred any day when a man has to keep his party in butcher's meat by the use of his rifle he'd need be a decent marksman answered mr tregonell carelessly i never knew the right use of a gun till i crossed the rockies by the way who is for woodcock shooting to-morrow you'll come i suppose jack not to-morrow thanks monty and i are going over to bodmin to see a man hanged we've got an order to view as the house agents call it monty is supposed to be on the times i go for the western daily mercury what a horrid ghoulish thing to do said leonard it's seeing life answered jack shrugging his shoulders i should call it the other thing however as crime is very rare in cornwall you may as well make the most of your opportunity but it's a pity to neglect the birds this is one of the best seasons we've had since eighteen sixty when there was a remarkable flight of birds in the second week in october but even that year wasn't as good as fifty-five 
when a farmer at st burian killed close upon sixty birds in a week you'll go to-morrow i hope mr hamley there's some very good ground about st necton's kiev and it's a picturesque sort of place that will just hit your fancy i have been to the kiev often yes it is a lovely spot answered angus remembering his first visit to mount royal and the golden afternoons which he had spent with christabel among the rocks and the ferns their low voices half drowned by the noise of the waterfall but i shan't be able to shoot to-morrow i have just been making up my mind to tear myself away from mount royal and i was going to ask you to let one of your grooms drive me over to launceston in time for the midday train i can get up from plymouth by the limited mail why are you in such a hurry asked leonard i thought you were rather enjoying yourself with us so much so that as far as my own inclination goes there is no reason why i should not stay here for the rest of my life only you would get tired of me and i have promised my doctor to go southward before the frosty weather begins a day or two can't make much difference not much only when there is a disagreeable effort to be made the sooner one gets it over the better i am sorry you are off so suddenly said leonard going on with the game and looking rather oddly across the table at captain vandeleur i am more than sorry said that gentleman i am surprised but perhaps i am not altogether in the secret of your movements there is no secret said angus isn't there then i am considerably mistaken it has looked very much lately as if there were a particular understanding between you and my elder sister and i think as her brother i have some right to be let into the secret before you leave mount royal i am sorry that either my manner or miss vandeleur's should have so far misled you answered angus with freezing gravity he pitied the sister but felt only cold contempt for the brother the young lady and i have never interchanged a word which might not have been heard by everybody at mount royal and you have no serious intentions you have never pretended to any serious feeling about her never charming as the young lady may be i have been and am adamant against all such fascinations a man who has been told that he may not live a year is hardly in a position to make an offer of marriage good-night tregonell i shall rely on your letting one of your men drive me to the station he nodded good-night to the other two men and left the room randy who loved him for the sake of old times followed at his heels there goes a cur who deserves a dose of cold lead said jack looking vindictively towards the door what randy my wife's favourite no the two-legged cur come you two men know how outrageously that puppy has flirted with my sister i know there has been some kind of flirtation answered mr montague luxuriously buried in a large armchair with his legs hanging over the arm and i suppose it's the man who's to blame of course it always is the man did you ever hear such a sneaking evasion demanded back not a year to live forsooth why if he can't make her his wife he is bound as a gentleman to make her his widow he has plenty of coin hasn't he asked montague your sister has never gone for me and i am dreadfully soft under such treatment when i think of the number of girls i've proposed to and how gracefully i've always backed out of it afterwards i really wonder at my own audacity i never refused to marry the lady pussy bet i adore you and will be married to-morrow if you like i say but you'll have to live with your papa and mamma for the first ten years perhaps by that time i might be able to take second-floor lodgings in bloomsbury and we could begin housekeeping 
"'You're a privileged pauper,' said Captain Vandeleur. "'Mr. Hamley is quite another kind of individual, "'and I say that he has behaved in a dastardly manner to my elder sister. "'Everybody in this house thought that he was in love with her.' "'You have told us so several times,' answered Montague coolly, "'and we're bound to believe you, don't you know?' i should have thought you'd have had too much spunk to see an old friend's sister jilted in such a bare-faced way tregonell said jack vandeleur who had drunk just enough to make him quarrelsome you don't mean to say that i'm accountable for his actions do you retorted leonard that's rather a large order i mean to say that you asked him here and you puffed him off as a great catch and half turned poor little dop's head by your talk about him if you knew what an errant flirt he was you oughtn't to have brought him inside your doors perhaps i didn't know anything about it answered leonard with his most exasperating air then i can only say that if half i've heard is true you ought to have known all about it as how because it's common club talk that he flirted with your wife was engaged to her and was thrown off by her on account of his extremely disreputable antecedents your mother has the sole credit of the throwing off by the by you had better leave my mother's name and my wife's name out of your conversation that's twenty-eight to me monty poker has spoiled a capital break by his d blank personality i beg your pardon mrs tregonell is simply perfect and there is no woman i more deeply honour but still you must allow me to wonder that you ever let that man cross your threshold you are welcome to go on wondering it's a wholesome exercise for a sluggish brain game exclaimed mr montague and leonard put his cue in the rack and walked away without another word to either of his guests he's a dreadful bear said little monty emptying the tankard but you oughtn't to have talked about his wife poker that was bad form does he ever study good form when he talks of my people he had no business to bring that fine gentleman here to flirt with my sister but really now don't you think your sister did her share of the flirting and that she's rather an old hand at that kind of thing i adore dop and mop as i'm sure you know and i only wish i were rich enough to back my opinion by marrying one of them but i don't think our dear little dopsy is the kind of girl to break her heart about any man more especially a sentimental duffer with hollow cheeks and a hollow cough just the kind of man to interest a warm-hearted girl no more claret well I suppose we may as well go to roost. End of chapter 11